Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous-led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at indigenousvision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. Hey, welcome to the Indigenous Vision podcast. This is the final episode of 2023. I am super excited to be here. This is officially episode 108. My name is Melissa Spence. If you've never tuned in before, I am Anishinaabe from Winnipeg, but I live in Vegas here in Southern Paiute land. And I'm here with the executive director of our fabulous nonprofit, Suta Calling Last. How have you been? It's been like a few weeks. Yeah, it's been a really busy busy few weeks. I keep saying like, oh, I think this coming month is going to slow down a little bit and things are going to wrap up (laughs) and they haven't, we're still going, (laughs) things are still trucking along and um, still kind of like teetering on that edge of, of hitting the submit button, but things are going really good. I'm healthy here. Good. (laughs) Happy. You look good. It's been like 18 days since we did our last podcast when we were defining cultural humility because apparently it's still pretty vague to the world. If you don't know, we facilitate uh, cultural humility trainings, which were de- which was developed by Drs. Melanie Turvalon and Jamare Garcia. So we have one coming up in January that we're pretty excited about. And same thing, for some reason, I always think December is going to be like this quiet, slow month, but it just seems like it's everyone's been on overdrive, you know, like trying to get this... Um, special event we're coordinating behind the scenes that we're going to be announcing soon to like all the self-defense classes here in Vegas to try to promote and market our event for January to try to keep up with like Facebook comments. It's (laughs) intense sometimes to be us. It is. It is. I've been working on the last of the report. I've been working on small grants. I'm trying to go for kind of like conservation type organizations. So I'm targeting the, like the apparel that uh, I need, the shoes, um, gear and outfitters and looking at the small community impact grants there. And I'm also looking for larger foundation grants. So I've been perusing through some of those RFPs and announcements and applications and then submitting the ones that are just I'm so thankful for online one-page applications that just make, like you know, the 500 here and the 500 there so easy to get. What else have I been doing? You're still gallivanting through the beautiful valleys of Montana. Oh my goodness! Yes, there's still uh, Blackfoot placemat projects that are ongoing. Um, some of them have transitioned into meetings, and so there are, um, you know, the Blackfoot placemat, and then. Uh, those meetings. And then I'm also part of other meetings with other mappers within the Blackfoot nations and the historic preservation offices. They, they host meetings because uh, they want to keep my language in line with, um, you know, we don't want industry using educational purpose material for like regulatory, or they can't use the indigenous vision website and then say, Uh, that one hour of researching through a map page was like any form of consultation. I can't say that that's happening, but ludicrous Mm -hmm. things like that have happened in the past of what passes for consultation. And then, you know, whether or not consent is required. Totally. 
Mm-hmm. I so, think a lot of people are like doing that, right? Like just going online and thinking, oh, I've, I'm aware of what this community is and who they are. So I have the right to do so-and-so or whatever. Right. Right. But if you uh, do any like, like minimal uh, level digging into like, say keywords, Blackfoot history, territory, customs, culture, heritage, any of those keywords, and you'll pull up all kinds of sources from, you know, a lot of them, you know, the ones I really question are like those really far Southeast coast <laughs> what sources or sources were that were from studies written in the sixties and, and didn't have any participation from the nation. And we were more so observed like animals instead, or like, you know, those early ones where, where they really, you know, reinforce that, that human level of hierarchy and and we were observed as uncivilized animals but that kind of goes into these um facebook comments that we're getting on our culture humanity i just love you know it's kind of dangerous territory in there and you need to be careful i you know putting an ad out there to be to and sponsoring an ad for the training that's coming up I thought would be the best way of reaching people who needed to see something like this, because we're kind of, you know, we work remotely and we're a small organization. There's three of us, you know, sometimes four (laughs) and, and we're just not that big. And so we don't have a marketing team. We don't have um, friends in high places. I think I was born in one of the lowest places (laughs) on the reservation and I'm like climbing up, you know, I think you, you, with your radio career probably have the most uh like graces and touches of stardom within our, our... but it's all like canada based so as soon as i jumped over here i just became like anonymous oh, yes. again which i kind of loved because i i really didn't like all the attention but i do kind of like try and pull from that but it's a different game here in america it's it so different We spoke a lot about that earlier in the podcast, you know, like the reason why we wanted some kind of like media representation and we're visualizing the injustices, you know, what's happening with MMIW, what's happening in the environment and with culture and language that's visualized in maps, but it's very rare to get the podcast form of it. And so we don't have that. And it's so much more present in in the everyday fabric of Canada that you can turn on I've always loved that you can just go turn on satellite TV and click to APTN all people's television network and then watch fish out of water which is kind of what like Blackfoot place map and Blackfoot Barbie travels that, that I'm hoping to put the YouTube channel together about like is is I'm not a fish out of water I'm actually a Blackfoot woman right where she belongs and so um it's kind of the the same concept but different in in that growing up on the reservation and then traveling out of Hartview and then traveling out of standoff and out of those two communities you feel like a fish out of water in those border communities and throughout the rest of the world and now it's just kind of opposite right and like the the difference is the representation that people see in Canada, right? Like they are aware there are indigenous people. They're aware of the treaties, even. The you can watch the nightly news. Yeah. Yeah. The nightly and you news. might even see an anchor or a weather person who is indigenous. But here in America, where there's no representation, hardly ever on like a mainstream 
outlet. Like we had reservation dogs. We've got Killers of the Flower Moon this year. So there's like a lot of talk about Indigenous people. But then you go to our comment section on our Facebook <laughs> post and you see people mimicking the way that me smoketh the yeah, peace pipe. The way Natives spoke in the Peter Pan movie. Like it's a really different society perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, and thank you all of the people who are, you know, standing showing up for love. us and showing love, but you know, cultural humility is also not about shaming or blaming. If some people have only had the Hollywood version of a, you know, a cartoon native be their representation for how native people speak and represent themselves or a representation of our intellect then we, we can't shame them for that. We can't shame people for what they don't know. And blaming people for what they don't know has never helped anybody learn anything. And so um, while I appreciate the people standing up for us, it's not cultural humility to shoot back. We don't want to stoop down to a, a level that we know is not okay. And so um, I do, I, I am leaving them up there because I, I want to see and gauge what people think and feel and take the temperature and it looks, you know, how it is. There's some, you know, all of those mean comments or like derogatory or dismissive, racial, discriminatory, flat out mean comments. They are a representation of the American fabric. And I think that we all have a responsibility for how we come across too to the world and to each other right like we can't just live this stupid yolo life like that's not real <laughs> that's not a real way to live because every decision you make and every word you choose to say sticks with you and when you say it on the internet you're you're saying it in a public place where it could be recorded forever so only say what you're comfortable with being out there right so I haven't perused the comment section for about a week now, but I do know that we are up in the hundreds. So I'm oh, probably goodness. I'm probably not going to go back. I did kind of fire back at one person was I just thought, you know what, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't engage. Fired back once and then left it as it is. And then, yeah, it really is true. People are a product of their environment. It's almost like they're too ignorant to know any better. But there's even though there's all these opportunities and avenues to know better, people just don't go for it. They have to be kind of pushed and reminded like, hey, there's other options out there. There's other ways to learn and unlearn things. And this training is exactly mm -hmm. that. And a lot of people see cultural humility, the words, and then see Indigenous and they just, I guess all of their biases all just surface. And then it comes out in this nasty comment or a comment of love and they're like oh I want to know more I just responded to a bunch of uh, messages some of them were bots but a couple of them are genuinely like where's the link that I can register so I send them the link mm -hmm. so I would say there's obviously way more love than non-love on our comment section but it is a great representation if you want to see like you said the fabric of like what's in our society out there Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not, you know, this is not to tell anybody that our job as facilitators and the people that we train, we're not training anybody to tell people they're racist. That's not what this training is about. This no. training is to create comfortable, engaging dialogue 
sessions within your employee body so that you can actually have those um, impactful conversations of getting your white paper done for whatever whatever your focus is. And so whether that's selling more of whatever product you have or bringing in more clients of, say you have, you know, 200 registered Hispanic clients at your healthcare facility, but only 75 are showing up to their appointments. Why is that? You know, you, you have to dive deep into conversations with your employees and then open up avenues of conversation with the people you're serving so that you know how to accurately serve these. I love that our first day activity in the work in the training is, is our assumptions exercise. That's how we send people home. And I'm not worried, you know, they're, they're <laughs> get distracted by one of the comments that I read a few days ago is like, Oh, great. Well, now that we know it, what it's all about, why do you even have to pay for the training? And I'm like, you know, I am not worried about saying in one sentence or even five or an hour podcast or 100 of them with all of the other trainers. Like, I, I don't feel like we're giving away the curriculum of the training of or the facilitator's guide, which is, uh, you know, 70, 80 pages large. And so it's a small guidebook you're getting. And um, there's so many resources and materials and reading reading uh, materials that we've included in there that you will continue to build on, I'm sure. Movies, uh, mm-hmm. YouTube videos, there's just so much. It's, it's, a, it's a training class. And then we got a beautiful comment from a lady today or yesterday. And she said, you know, I've been looking into train the trainer workshops on various different things. And, and she sounds kind of like a woman like me, you know, I always keep up on my my first aid, my CPR. Um, I'm a fan of uh, wilderness first aid and rescue. Um, I think I was going to do my next one was going to be outdoor recovery because we're going to have a dog being trained in, in search and rescue. I'm crossing my fingers with as one of the preventative, like first on the ground, I can leave the house at two o'clock in the morning and go search a forest and not be scared people out there, you know? (laughs) So, um, she said that, uh, she regularly looked for these trainings and found that they cost anywhere between like 2,500 to $8,000. And that's, that's reflective of my experience as well. And so that, uh, remote recovery training I'm going to be doing is eight, $900. And I'm going to send a couple of people to that training from this organization so that we can be out there as trained individuals. I don't, uh, I, I also think it helps with our trauma as an individual when we, we have to go out and find people in, in whatever state they may be in. Cause even though I'm training us for like first uh, live recovery, it could be something else, you know, and then like all of my massage training, all of all of the speaker training, impact, uh, high impact facilitation training, uh, grant writing training. There's so many like little trades that we get trained as and, and is continuing professional development. And I think, you know, not everybody thinks that that is a worthwhile investment. You know, your closest, most loving 
partner would be like, what do you want to go to massage school for? What is that going to do? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to work in a salon or something like that? You know, people don't see your dream. People don't have your motivation. They don't see how you're laying out your goals toward your end goal. And so I'm, I'm used to people questioning and pushing back and second guessing the design of how I've laid things out in my life. And so this is kind of another layer on that. I love that we're doing another training in January for 2024, because that's exactly how we started 2023 was with our first cohort. I've been slowly collecting some of the wins that I've had over the year. I know it's a crazy year. Like we're all in the same planet. Like we all know what's going on in the world and we've all got our own personal struggles behind the scenes too. Like I know I, I sure do, but I'm having a fantastic year simultaneously. And I'm, I wanted to celebrate that on this podcast because it's the last of the year. I'm super stoked for 2024. So what and are you celebrating? I want to I'm know. celebrating everything. I'm just, I'm really coming into our, Again, I say this last year, I'm coming out of the pandemic. I'm like flourishing now. I feel like the past three years has just been extremely transformational. And I think this past year of three cohorts of culture humility really popped me out of my shell as well. Like I am not nervous anymore. I was so nervous. Those You're first so on fire. Ones. This last <laughs> one, uh, you led the training. So amazing. I was so proud. Oh my goodness. It was just. Thank you. Yes, you were the primary facilitator because I was on travel. And so I was like scattered and working from a small desk at an Airbnb. <laughs> and so you really like led the training. I kind of love it. I love, I truly love what this training does. And I like how you worded it earlier. Like you can read about all this stuff, but if you don't actually practice it, you're not really getting the full training experience. Like, yeah, we give away a lot of way on the internet because we want people to really see what's inside of this, but the training is actually practicing it with other human beings in real time. And mm -hmm. that's how it grows and works. So I'm super stoked that we did three successful trainings this year. That's definitely on my win list for me personally, because like I said, I really came out of the shell. Even in January, I was nervous. I wasn't so much in March. And then this past one in October, like you said, I felt like I was on fire during the training. It was, it was so beautiful. Good. It was beautiful. And the wins this year for culture humility and our organization, I think were that the cohorts were so diverse. We had participants from Germany, the UK, South Africa, lots and lots from Canada, all over the United States. We had people sacrificing like their 4 a.m.s for this this training course. And it was so just cool. exciting because we're all there. And, and the other win was that the people who made up the training were just phenomenal, like dream participants. It's who I set the goals for the training to be. I, I thought that we could have the most impact in making the world better for not only just indigenous people, but everybody. If we could target those major service providers. Like I still haven't found myself at the front of the classroom for the Bureau of Indian Affairs at the Department of Interior. I would like to be there. <laughs> they dispense services and programs to so many nations with so many varying cultures. And it was, um, you know, under the Department of War at first. And so we're making huge strides to move a people and their policies out from the Department of, of War <laughs> to 
two other departments where uh, we're no longer on the other side of that war, right? We're trying to be on the American continent just as much as everybody else's. And we survived the predecessors of pre-colonial settlement era. We survived that. And so, and I don't want people to guilt people for what their ancestors did. You know, I think, I think there's a certain amount of guilt that a person should carry if they're reinforcing and they continue to make excuses for actions done in pure violence, harm or hate. You know, I, I don't think that's, that's okay. Uh, (laughs) But, but we can't, that's a whole different set of shackles when you start thinking about, you know, these quote unquote sins of your fathers and ancestors. And that's, you know, that's that's the language of the church that I'm using there, the sins of your fathers. (laughs) So, um, but you know, for everybody else, it's like, it's karma, it's intergenerational trauma, it's intergenerational historical trauma and, and healing and resilience. And so all of these things really just follow us through life. And so it's really phenomenal to see all of these different cultures come together in our training rooms. And at first we do get people, there's always one person per training that says, you know, I'm a white person. I just need to shut up and sit back. And, and everybody is like, no, no, this is a engaging dialogue. The only people we ask to step back is, is people like me who, (laughs) well, it's not fair because I'm one of the facilitators, but you know, if you're a, if you're a person in a training, a classroom, an office, a meeting, a boardroom, wherever you're at with other people, and you tend to be the talker at every single meeting, maybe just be quiet and sit back and step back and even if it's an uncomfortable silence, even if you don't, if you're assuming nobody has anything to contribute, be quiet and let somebody else speak up. It's just cultural humility. Like I, that that person always tends to be me because I'm vocal and I have a lot of thoughts and I hum and haw about my thoughts. And so I get them out and be like, I don't know, what do you guys think? And so, but that could also be my facilitator training, right? It's like, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm trained to find the different elements, multiple elements of one issue, present them, and then create discussion. That's high impact facilitation. Yeah, I don't know where my training ends and where, you know, it, it takes critical thinking then in, le- in our, our learning journey to be like, what part, and this is the part I love is those deep thinking is what part is part of my Blackfoot upbringing and what part is of that colonial violence overshadowing it and what part is my regional culture because montana's got a really like you know there's no other state that pull up your boots can come from except for montana we we work through the winter time in negative 40 (laughs) so i love the uncomfortable silence in our training groups because it really it gives everybody a moment and then the person i just know that there's someone who's like should i say it now should i go now and they usually do they need that silence to kind of come forward but i want to continue on our highlight list if that's cool because we did have not just amazing cultural humility cohorts with people from all over the place. I personally made a connection here in Las Vegas to the uh, MMIW community here that we are still in league with. And I'm super excited to close out the year with our final self-defense class this tonight 
because it all started when I went to that powwow in April and tried to meet some people because I just couldn't get through to anybody. I tried calling the Indian center here and like nobody would get back to me. And I went to a couple events and I wasn't sure who, who to approach. And then finally I just went to a powwow and I just looked at the booths and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go over here, give them my spiel about what I do here at indigenous vision and how we have all these self-defense kits and classes that we've done in the past. And it's been going really well here since July, we've had classes consistently up until today. So we are stoked to continue that hopefully into the new year. We've got a special event we'll be announcing. And I know that I think, I think you might have to confirm this though, but we are at an all time high with funders, which is amazing because people want to support indigenous vision now. And that's just so beautiful because our work can expand and it has, it's like we're go we've gone from dreams to pretty much reality now. So now we're in like the real phase of it and our action plans are rolling, which is incredible. Thank you. Yes. I was just having that conversation with our, our general capacity funders, our primary uh, people. And I told them, you know, our, my goal is to have 50 to 75% of our funding come from the fee for service of cultural humility so that, um, we're tapping into the DEI line items and budgets of all of these really cool organizations. And, and that's another win. Like we're getting cities, municipal governments, uh, attorney general offices, he whole healthcare institutes, really awesome small franchises like, well, your movie theaters that you're going to go to. We might be training their employees. Amazon was a really cool. Uh, I really like getting those big clients where they have really large employee bases and people have to work overtime to to you know exist and then they get to go home and uh, exist in their own world you know work shouldn't be uncomfortable but do you have any like personal uh, highlights you want to share <laughs> yeah a personal highlight would be uh the hiking that I have done and I am amazed that I I originally set out my list for 43 buttes peaks summits this this summer and I didn't even get to half of them, but I was also diagnosed with papillary carcinoma, the thyroid cancer in like a couple weeks this time last year. And so, yeah, I had been feeling very sick and my health was dipping in and out and it improved slightly after the surgery and the removal. Um, and I was still able to like drag myself out there. <laughs> and I think, and I, uh, some of it was dragging myself out there. A lot of it, I don't know if I've completely like recovered, but I've recovered enough to do 358 miles over 53 activities. And so that's, wow. yeah, Glacier National Park, the Mission Mountains, the Helena Lewis and Clark National Forest, the Bob Marshall Wilderness, some other mountains out by Whitefish, Montana incredible i can't even imagine going that distance on foot but when you break it all down into like several little trips that's pretty incredible congrats yeah thank you i'm i'm proud of myself and it was it was in a year that i was sick and was dragging and so i'm hoping that this next year i'm i'm more of a fire instead of a spark <laughs> Ooh, i got a car this year that's like a huge thing because i've never had one my whole entire life i yes. went from like metro girl to like 
owning the highway. And I went to Death Valley twice this year, which is my favorite place in all of Great Turtle Island. It is the lowest point. I saw a lake where there's not supposed to be a lake, and it was spectacular. I've camped all over this desert so far. Um, I did a couple of small hikes. I just fell in love recently with the Amargosa Valley, and it's just on the way to Death Valley. There's like this huge river that's underground, and it's called the Amargosa River, and it kind of empties out into Badwater Basin, which is where all the water ended up after the hurricane. So this underground river sucked it all in, and then it spat it out in Death Valley, and it's still there, and it looks amazing. So I'm slowly learning all about this land that I live in, and it's just, I fall deeper and deeper in love with it. So I'm really proud of myself for getting to know the land this way. I don't know it in a traditional sense. I just know it like as far as where the water's traveling and how this part of the landscape looks and that. I got to visit Joshua Tree for the first time this year. So I am ex slowly exploring um, this part of Nevada, Southern Nevada, and Eastern California, and of course, Northern Arizona, because it's just so beautiful here. So I'm excited for that. That was like huge for me. Those pictures were beautiful. There was like black <laughs> mountains with silver skies and glassy water. It was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually getting a certain mountain range tattooed because I find it so breathtaking and I really want to commemorate like this part of the land that I live in now with the land that I come from. So I'm working on that for 2024. So that's a really good energy, I think, to kind of transition the years into with all this great stuff that happened here in my life and then mm -hmm. getting to the new year and what we're going to be doing next year. It's all really good stuff. It's just amazing. Yeah. The Blackfoot place map, I think we've added, well, it, they're all in database still and in notebook form, which is really scary to me. It, gives me a lot of anxiety to have that much work built up, but then it's also really exciting to have that much work that needs to be done on language and cultural places that we have just like 200 sitting there saying, work on me. Um, <laughs> so beautiful. I, I, yeah, I finally got like a dedicated worker to help with that. The elders are like, I feel like we've reached a stride with the knowledge keepers and the language consultants and the, the mountain uh, knowledge keeper elders. <laughs> and so we've all like got our projects aligned because they all do similar projects in other places. And so we, we use each other to help each other's project be, you know, consistent language and, and just fuller than it would have been if we're working by ourselves, because it goes back to that culture humility concept of that I have is that, you know, it takes all of us to be, you know, completely Blackfoot. Yeah. yeah. So Beautiful. I'm really grateful for that. And then one of the locations, uh, we're still working on that self-guided tour, still working on the app. So somebody please donate to my million dollar fundraiser for the app. <laughs> um, and then we've got signs for this self-guided tour. We're looking for private landowners. If you've got land in between Yellowstone Park and Glacier National Park and you're on that route, I would love to be in contact with you to put a sign up on your property um, of just the indigenous, the Blackfoot narrative specifically and, and or whatever tribe we might have been interacting with right there at that point on the land. We're working with one of the landowners to uh, register her property for the National Historic Registry Foundation. 
the register, uh, not the foundation, <laughs> the register, um, because it, it's, it's, it's called second to writing on stone and it has over 5,000 pictographs and the, the anthropologist that helped her document that site told her to stop digging down and stop uncovering more cliffside because the amount of pictographs that they needed to count was overwhelming. So there are more uncovered, like that are yet to be uncovered. She has roasting pits on that site. So we're, uh, you know, part of our million dollar fundraisers are, is going towards those signs, um, exhibits. We need a, we're working to get a, a 3D roasting pit exhibit. So you can kind of see what camp life would be like a long time ago. Um, and then we, we've officially secured our food forest and the food forest is now, um, under the ownership of Indigenous Vision, uh, we we have. I I had no idea that land ownership would come to my organization before it came to me. I was that's it doesn't matter to me. I I think it's very cool that we get that cultural oasis potential, the building, the food forest, and all of those cool activities that will come from from gatherings on that land. Um, check out the million dollar fundraiser it's a crazy thing that's another crazy thing is that this shy girl who you know had to take you know thousands and thousands of dollars worth of speaker training <laughs> is is um getting the courage to finally after seven years of operating as a nonprofit, put together a crowdsource um fundraiser. And so this is the first time that we've ever crowdsourced our funding besides asking for those individual small donations. So thank you everybody who has donated to that million dollar fundraiser. We have, you know, five or so projects that each need $200,000 or so. And so it's going to be spent and it's not a large amount of money when you divvied up between those projects but thank you so much for for helping us get there please share it with your friends and share it with people who are interested in conserving culture traditional ecological knowledge and forests prairie ecosystems preventing cwd from spreading trying to figure out why it's spreading what else can we say language <laughs> saving women our culture carriers and keepers what else do we have it's just amazing. I, we have I'm, so much to do. I love it. I love yeah. that we have all this work ahead of us. Like we are not not doing anything. No, no. And <laughs> this year is going to be so the seed the the contaminant project that is funded by the EPA for this year until May. Um, we're going to be looking for another grant to, to look at the plant uptake into medicinal plants and then the spread amongst um, other species and. Uh, soil and water transfer. And so those, there's some RT quick tests that we would like to buy. And, um, we're going to be training the dogs on. So uh, there was a lot of doubt, you know, there's a lot of doubt in using dogs for conservation work, but we're doing it because, because Blackfoot women have always worked with dogs and dogs have always been working the Montana landscape for the 10,000 years that Blackfoot people were present. They just, they just belong on the land as much as anything else, uh, as we do. And, um, we're going to be training them to either it's, it's looking like it's going to be finding the sick, uh, microbiome. So you, the, the deer that is, um, maybe just caught it or carrying it, they have different microbiomes that, uh, have different scent 
um, uh, signatures on the scat. And so the dog's nose is sensitive enough to pick up when an individual is sick, just like a cancer finding dog, right? Or an epilepsy or a seizure dog. They, they know when those chemical changes happen and they need to sit you down. And so, um, we're going to be working with Penn State Vets and con uh, Working Dogs for Conservation are our two partners in training those dogs on finding sick deer out in the field or elk or moose, um, probably whitetail, muley or elk. And so we're looking for funding for that as well. Yes. Dog trainer, dog trainer handling, you know, I need a coat <laughs> that says canine, canine conservation uh, for when we do a, a boat checks or school assemblies. I, I know it seems silly and simple, but it's good uh, representation, I think, to look professional when we go into places. And so gear matters. <laughs> It does. I ruined another pair of nice boots going to the desert. I don't know what I think. I, I just go out there dressed up and I'm like, I'm going to explore this area. And then I come back and I'm disheveled. My boots are ruined. I'm like, I am so a city person. And then here you are like getting your gear all set up for you and your dogs. And I'm out here, you know, flamboyant and wearing like coats <laughs> into you know, the wilderness. <laughs> you know, I would really love to be gear testers. And so this is if we could at North Face, at Merrill, at Patagonia, at Mountain Hardware, those are my favorite brands. But if we could kind of tag them onto this segment of the, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to listen through all that first stuff that we just said, but they should. it's, I've been tearing through boots. I don't know where they're testing this gear at, but my mountaineering boots from Merrill that, that cost $199. Yeah. That's not cheap. Are, I thought they would last me like six years or something. They lasted me two hikes and that's on that like glacier park, wow. Rocky mountain, you know, top scree with all the sharp jaggedy rocks. And I have to like my feet dip into the rock, sink down slide. And then that's it for like a couple miles. And so I've torn through boots and, um, I need a boot sponsorship. <laughs> they need to make a whole, I, I, I can't afford anymore. They need to make a whole Blackfoot Barbie line of just head to toe gear that someone like you who's going out into maybe not these like funzy hikes that but people like me do but you're like going to the top of actual like major glacier park summits i'm putting this gear to work like it's got to withstand the rain it's got to withstand the cold and it can't get any rips or tears and i've done all of that i have not had a successful gear gear well um, adding it to the list of dreams to reality because <laughs> a lot of our dreams are becoming reality this past year and like carrying into the next year which is pretty incredible I'm I'm stoked and I, I remember saying this exact thing last year I am stoked for the coming year and here we are again here we are and it's been a beautiful year I think I'm you know a whole lot healthier I and it's those miles under my feet help I've found a dog finally <gasps> to work um and he's working out really awesomely um Kenny Kenny it means the one who wears the necklace um, beautiful or Ken for short yes and he comes to his name and he just loves oh he's like a German shepherd yes he's a German shepherd and a border collie and 
perfect he really well and he just is really he wants to please and so he's constantly like I just barely mentioned his name and he's like yes yes my if darling you, I know this is an you? audio only but like Kenny is right at the mic <laughs> yes is there anything you'd like to say Kenny you can say it now he's quiet I apparently he got fired from his last conservation job because he doesn't bark as much but there's situations where he will bark and you just have to uh get him happy get him happy yeah (laughs) so well that's it everybody thank you so much for sharing our year um if you were there at the beginning of our podcast this year thank you for listening uh through one of our like toughest uh funnest most um growing year we appreciate your listenership we appreciate your existence in this world and i hope that there are many beautiful blessings that come to you thanks for listening to the ivy podcast it means so much to have you here with us if you would like to go a little bit further with your love you can always like share and leave a review it does help the podcast grow And like I mentioned in the podcast, we do have a cultural humility training coming up this January 2024. It begins on the 23rd. I have shared the link in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. And make sure you check out our website if you'd like to learn more about us at indigenousvision.org. We are also on Facebook and on Instagram at Indigenous Vision Media. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll be back very soon.